Welcome to Core Voices. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this space to bring change, to have open conversations, non-judgmental conversations, and to garner more support in our community. There's a lot of topics and situations, subjects and things that we go through in life which we start to bottle up and not talk about. These end up with us creating divisions inside of ourselves. So we want this to be your space to have those conversations, ask those questions, and we will try to figure out the answers and be able to support each other. That is the whole purpose of Core Voices. If you want to know more about our work, go and check out corevoices.org. And to contact us, it's corevoices at gmail.com. Today on the show, it is my absolute pleasure and honor to welcome an incredible, an incredible woman who I admire and I respect so much. Raj Arneja is the Director of Corporate Engagement and Philanthropy at Nanak Foods. She's one of the founding members of the Seva Thrift Society, which runs a charitable thrift store. There she's a board member and a volunteer who manages at the store as well. She supports a lot of charities, is very active in the community, building engagement, supporting nonprofit work, and any cause that needs support, you'll see Raj there in the front line, helping to build up that community in that space. And that for me is what being a human is about. Raj is an incredible example of these values. Today, Raj is going to be sharing with us about her personal family experiences through her very first book titled Love at First Sight, A Mother's Journey to Adoption. Raj is an incredible woman with so many qualities, so many gifts and a huge inspiration. I have so much love and respect for the work that Raj does and I would like you all to join me in welcoming Raj to Core Voices. Raj, Hello. hi. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us all the way from Vancouver. And we are excited to talk. I have your book here. I've already got my copy. Oh, where is it? There we are. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Raj's book. And I'm gonna start off by telling you all it is available on Amazon. So wherever you are, please, go and buy at least two copies, one for yourself and one as a gift, okay? And even if you may not be a parent yourself or wherever you are in your journey, it's always important to know how we can grow and understand and support each other. So please, I want you to go and buy this book to support amazing stories and amazing causes. Raj, I am so, so in awe of you, the fact that you put together your own journey um, onto paper for us so that we could learn more about it. And um, that's what we would like to talk about today, to understand for, for young parents, new parents who might be struggling with that journey, there's a lot of taboos and restrictions and shame around the, the, the topic of adoption uh, from that our older generations and how that's kind of been embedded onto us. So I hope that everybody who's tuning in today, you'll be able to take away a new and a fresh approach from everything that Raj is gonna be sharing. 
So the first question I'd like to ask you is if you could tell us more about your journey and how and when you made the decision to adopt. My journey is in 230 pages in the book, but anyways, I'll touch on a few of the reasons why I wrote the book. Yeah. Um, the, I did adopt my two children who are um, grown adults now, 27 and 23. My son is 27, my daughter is 23. Um, but when I decided to do it, it was a very easy decision for me. I um, did have problems with infertility and the book goes into those issues. And I know a lot of young couples have these problems, but I had a light at the end of the tunnel and that was adoption. And I always wanted to do uh, adopt a child. And I almost feel like I'm glad I never got pregnant because I have my two children today. So I really want to emphasize that, you know, adopting a child for me is an unimaginable happiness and it's really um you know love both ways it it like we we have just lived a, just a, such a simple life just regular parents with their children and that word adoption is almost like a foreign word in our household so um I don't know if I should continue with like the, the journey to adoption. It was infertility, which led to, you know, adoption, mm -hmm. but it was, um, uh, it, it, there was stigma in the Indian community. Uh, there still is, I hear it and I've heard it throughout um, my children um, growing up. But I think uh, when I heard a little bit of negativity from people, I sort of let those people go and they're not part of my inner circle and um, even family, you know, and the most important person is your spouse, as long as you're on the same page. And, you know, my parents were a huge support. My mother-in-law was a huge support. So I, I had those people in place and it, it, it didn't even, you know, take two minutes to decide that we're gonna do this. As soon as I finished every infertility action I could try, poked and prodded, my whole body went through so much. I didn't want to be a statistics in my 40s that, oh, she got pregnant. I wanted to have a child still in, in a younger age, and I wanted my child to grow up with my sister's kids. So that's why I went at the age of 29. Of course, we're talking the 90s. I got married. I'm like I'm another generation probably from your listeners. But, I mean, I got my children in the 90s, and I was I got married in the late 80s. So for us, um, having children in our late 20s was really late. So mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in my 30s having a child. Now it would probably be 10 years further. You'd be in your 40s trying to have a child, I guess. But mm -hmm. adoption is an unimaginable, unimaginable happiness that you can really uh, have and complete your family for both the child and yourself as a parent. Wow. Yes, I, I know that the, the detailed version is in the book, um, but if you could just give us some small glimpses, um, I'm sure that when you were making those choices, it wasn't easy to navigate it. Of course, you know, you have the joy and the commitment to, to your beautiful children, but um, if you could help us to know a little bit more about what some of those challenges were, because you talk about the mindset of never giving up. Mm -hmm. It would be great to know how you use that to navigate through those difficulties. Yeah, I um, 
the first chapter does go into my little trip to Japan and I was climbing Mount Fuji and I thought I couldn't do it because I was so unprepared and, and somebody uttered those words to me, never give up. And I actually ended up managing to climb this mountain and I, I was only 16 at the time and I thought, oh my God, never give up. It really works. Just keep uttering those words. And I feel like I've been using those words all my life for any challenge that I've had. So the infertility happened, but then the adoption uh, process started and I'm in India and I'm a person born and brought up in Canada, but you know, India is a foreign country to me, but yet I lived our uh, a very quaint little Punjabi lifestyle at our home in Canada. So um, the never give up part came in quite handy when I was in India. It was um, dealing with a lot of bureaucracy, you know, trying to find a child, first of all. And then after I found my baby, then dealing with the bureaucracy of uh, the adoption process and everything. I know this book is not a how-to book on uh, adoption. This is a book about my journey to motherhood, how I found my kids and how I brought them back to Canada. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like to go, I mean, I, I don't know how the system works and absolutely it's not a book on how to do that, but um, how did you take those first steps? Like, how did you know where to look? Or Well, it's interesting. There was no internet and there were no cell phones. So you're just using um, people, you know, getting information from people. You're just, you know, networking. In those days, that's how you did it. And actually, when I went to India, I, um, and this is all in the book, but it's okay. Um, I was literally going through white pages and yellow pages looking for hospitals where I could um, go and apply uh, to, you know, find a child. And basically what I was looking for was an abandoned baby because that's what I heard was available. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, that's what I did for the first two weeks. But um, I think the premise of the book, the reason why I wanted to put it in words was my trip my spiritual journey to him, Kunsab, that gets me emotional. <laughs> but anyways, that's the reason I have my son, because I took that trip. Wow. And I can't go too much into it because the chapter is titled The Miracle. So you can imagine <laughs> what came out of that trip. Mm. Wow. Sorry, ask me another question, but. <laughs> that's okay, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, is such a sensitive topic and I'm deeply grateful for you to be here to talk to us about it and to, to have written the book for us as well. Um, I'm just, I want to yeah, I cried a lot. I cried a lot writing it. Mm. These are tears of joy. These yeah. are tears of joy, right? So yeah, it, it's anybody cries, any mother cries about their children, right? When you're talking about, yeah. yeah. And for me, it wasn't, for me, I think sometimes in my mind, I feel um, conceiving or getting pregnant is easier than what I went through. So, but my, my trip was a little bit different because I went to India both times. From what I understand, in today's world, it's very difficult to adopt a child from India. I've gone into this a little bit in the book too because because of sort of exploitation of children and things like that. So there's, they've put like sort of bars on a lot of, you know, adoption cases so you know but having said that um 
you can adopt here in North America or anywhere in the world within your own country. And my husband and I had applied in Canada before we went to India, but that was such a long wait. It was an eight year wait, apparently. Yeah, because whatever the reasons, but so we just didn't want to wait eight years. So that's why we chose the option of going to India. We never knew that we would get a baby, but we went. Hmm. It was trial and error. I think that's why I wrote the book because it was just blind leading the blind. We didn't even know what we were doing. And just, and that's what I think the most interesting thing is we just didn't know what we were doing. So we didn't know what to look out for. We weren't scared. Hmm. It was just like, cause you, if, if you know already that you got to look out for this, then you're like, Oh, okay. How are we going to do it? But I didn't even know it just, hmm. it just happened. So whatever obstacle came, you just, you know, got over it and went to the next. Wow. Maybe that's why this book is a little bit different, but what I, um, it, because it's the journey of how I found my children and how I raised them. But, um, you know, one of the things that I really wanted uh, people to get out of this book was that, um, that stigma that you mentioned earlier in the Indian community, um, people, <clears throat> Indians, excuse me, would like to adopt, um, generally speaking through the bloodline of their family. And that, that, um, issue never entered my mind or my husband's mind because we, um, you know, maybe me born and brought up here, uh, I didn't even really realize that sort of a mindset existed. So we never ever would ask any of my relatives to give up their child for us. So it wasn't even a second thought for us to, you know, adopt a child and obviously adopt a child that's not related to us. And I hope that this book will sort of take those couples over that fence and say, yes, we can adopt too, even though they have family pressures that yes, you need to do it only from within your family or, oh no, you can't adopt because that's not your blood. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because there is just um, so much more that you can get out. It's, it's not even about uh, uh, providing something for a child that, you know, maybe wouldn't have had anything because both my babies were abandoned. I don't look at it that way. I look at it. It's a fulfillment for both sides. Mm. It really is. Mm. Yeah. It may be, I feel like sometimes I'm selfish because I have them. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, because I fulfilled my dream of becoming a mother. Yeah. <laughs> This, it's so incredible to to just hear this and for you to give us those glimpses because we idealize this as general members of society, you know, what it would be like and how easy or difficult it might or might not be. Um, but to hear the story and to hear the words from your mouth, it's so different. Like it's, it's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And there's, I have a deep gratitude to you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, but yeah, it, it, it was, I was worried about um, putting um, this book out just because, um, you know, my whole family is, you know, sort of the, the you know, everywhere out on, uh, out in the open now, there's no secrets, but um, to me, it was never a secret. Mm -hmm. um, especially when they were little, uh, I had to tell them right away. I told Kabir when he was four that he's adopted. And he was so young and he needed to know because we were heading to India to get my daughter at the time. At that time, we didn't know who, 
we were getting, but we had to tell him because we were taking the big journey and we said, we're going to get a baby sister for you. So he is very excited. And when I told him, he's literally shrugged his shoulders and went out and played. So this is how they, they, they heard about them being adopted and Kiti, I think was probably five. And she also was so young. It's just nice that they're very young. They've heard it. They question it later a little bit, but my kids didn't question it too much. Maybe it's because they didn't feel any void in any way. Mm. And maybe Indian families make you feel like that. I, I don't know what it is with our families. We're very um, inclusive. We have extended families and my kids, they're, they're part and parcel of everybody. So maybe they didn't have any voids anywhere. And I, maybe sometimes I feel like the Western uh, world um, the kids that are adopted in the Western world, they they, they have questions. They want to know their uh, birth mothers and this and that. My kids never ever asked me anything like that. Wow. And I think I think that's that's um, a salute to the, the Punjabi culture or the Indian culture. I think. Also to your parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, um, this is a real thing. Um, that, that whole mindset, um, I don't know about other cultures and other communities, but there's, you know, like how a daughter-in-law is treated different to the mm -hmm. daughter of the house. Yeah. Right? Um, in families, if there has, like families that I'm aware of, if there is a child that is adopted, that child is treated differently to child's that, children that may be in, in the blood lineage, like genetic children of those parents um, or like stepchildren also, you know, there's that, that difference is really painful to, I'm sure it is to experience, but to observe and to know that as a community, we allow this and it's, it's almost like a better than, you know, mm. you are my blood, therefore you are better than somebody who is not right. So the son is, entitled to more than his wife who is the daughter-in-law and that's a common problem in our community right and I think it kind of like stems from those things it does it does um yeah it is a um I don't know what the right word is for that type of thinking but it is uh, a learned behavior over the generations and and the generation that might change it is mine or yours um I, it, it, you can you can speak to people, you can try and sway them to the way you think, but it, it is very difficult. I have spoken to a lot of people about adoption and, you know, they they are quite surprised that my children are, you know, not like from the family bloodline or whatever. And these things shock me till today that, you know, people think like this and, um, you know, they, they wouldn't, they, their mindset is that they would never ever thinking of adopting outside of their own family. So I'm like, and I just met somebody literally last week who was saying things like this to me. And I'm like, okay, I, I really don't even know what to say to those people anymore because you can't change their mind. Mm. You just can't. And I, I, I don't want to, their children will change their mind, I bet, mm. because they're from North America. How does it, it make you feel though when you hear those things? Uh, frustrated and, and, and you literally like, um, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's, you're blue in the face telling them that it's okay, but uh, it's okay. Actually, at the end of the conversation, it's okay because it was me, but it wouldn't, I know that it wouldn't be okay for them. So, you know, 
there's just some things you can't change with people because um you know that uh the culture that they're they they, they came to canada when they were in their 20s they, that, that's the way they think that's and they've been brought up like that and it's it's not going to change and and they're not open-minded to change it so maybe if you said something to me and i would see you know whatever controversial topic i would listen and see yes if i can you know understand your point of view they they won't they're just not open to it hmm. and i don't know what the cure for that is i think yeah. some things are inevitable like they there, there is a huge um change that we're experiencing around us and it's coming in small pockets but i think it's obvious enough for us to acknowledge it that more people are educating themselves to different topics and bringing in more compassion in how we address conversations and yeah. particular you know subject areas um there's there are some people who are set in their ways and not willing to open their minds yeah. um, but i think that's okay that will happen with time you know? Yeah, there was one couple that I met um, about two days ago, and they they were interesting. They had that same mindset, but they were open to hearing what I said, and I was really happy about the conversation because I felt like they said, "Ah, okay," like you know, they came, they, they left like that. So, I, I, what I was saying earlier, yeah, okay, there is some people that will. It's like the Black Lives Matter situation, you know, mm. like we're learning a lot, even though that systemic racism has been around for, you know, ever, um, even in in Canada. So, um, you know, I want, I, I knew about it. I know because chapter two is about my brother dying from a racist attack. So mm. even we felt it. So I. I keep reading and reading, even though I feel like I know everything, I don't know everything. And I, I feel like if people start opening their minds and actually like listening and, you know, to talks like this or reading more, you know, we can make changes, yes. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Would you be comfortable to share um, about that chapter where you talk about your brother? Uh, well, I might not be able to get through it because it's a tough, tough one. But he, uh, I mean, he was only 19. I was 15. And um, there was, you know, some, I mean, somebody hit him and he ended up in the hospital for 10 days and he was on um, life support. Um, I'll just cut it really short. But he, he, um, he died after 10 days and he, um, uh, you know that like those those people were put on trial as well there was two sort of redneck type brothers mm -hmm. and um, they got off all white jury and things like that so that's in the that's mm -hmm. the late 70s early 80s this is this happened right so that that's what our family dealt with but the reason I I put that part of my life in is because it changed me forever mm. it changed me Whew. One second. So, like, like that's where I say you don't sweat little things because I lost something so big to me. Mm. Yeah. You're so brave. You're so brave. Um, if you need to take a minute, that's okay. Um, yeah. You can read the back of the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I'll give you a minute, okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're, you're absolutely incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But 
that takes so much courage to bring something so deep and painful and something so close to your heart out there. And I mean, I I, I don't want to sound insensitive and say I understand, but you you know that I lost my brother as well. Um, yes. It was, I mean, we had a different outcome. The the person who took his life, yeah, serve a, or he is serving a life sentence at the moment. But it, it those things don't matter. Yeah, when you've lost something yeah. that matters so much to you. It, yeah, it, it changes everything about you. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It didn't. I know. I know. It's okay. We live. We we lived with that, but it, it it didn't change anything. Whatever what you lost is your loss forever, and it doesn't matter. The grieving never stops, as mm -hmm. you can see. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, time doesn't heal. Everybody tells you time heals, but it's okay because we live in that memory of our brothers, yeah. and that's that's how we've lived every day. Yeah. You are so incredible. I want to reach through the screen and give you a hug. <laughs> One of these days, yeah. Soon. What was it about, um, and, and I don't want that to sound insensitive, but mm -hmm. what made you bring that chapter into the book? Uh, I'll give a lot away here by telling you this, but I will. Um, what happened was that my niece my sister is one year younger to me and her, she was pregnant and she um, had her baby on the same date of my brother's birthday. Wow. So that, and I watched her being born and that was literally the day I decided that I'm not waiting any longer. I'm going to adopt a child. That's actually the, the, um, yeah, that's the climatic moment when, in my mind where I said that that was when I said, I'm not going to wait till I'm 40 to have a child and I'm not going to be one of those statistics. I'm going to have a child, you know, ASAP because I want them, I want my child to grow up with this little baby. So it, it sort of tied in with that. So actually I had, and her name is Manika, my niece, and I had actually, she was chapter one once upon a time and I had to change a few things around. And I told her that, and she's so touched about that. And she, I see so much of my brother in her just because they were born on the same day, but there's just so many similarities. So I, I really felt it important to put that in because she is the reason why I have my son today. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's why I put that in there. <laughs> no doubt everything you've put in the book is so valuable and so amazing but i you know for people who who are meeting you for the first time um i want everybody who's tuning in to go and buy the book love at first sight go to amazon and order your copy now this is the book this is the cover and we're going to talk about the cover in just a few minutes um i want to know if there were any parts of your journey of adoption that um, exceeded your expectations? Uh, the, I guess it was becoming a mother, mm -hmm. you know, both times. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, 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 my children are the only children I saw. I didn't go to a nursery and say, oh, I want this one or this one. I didn't do that. I just saw the first child that I was, that a, a hospital called me and the child was there and I went to see him. That's my son. He was four days old. And you just, 
you just get that overwhelming emotion and you just you just want that child for you so then mm. and, and the same thing happened with kirti except when actually this is another thing that in the book that's interesting is that i did go by myself to adopt my son because my husband i took his power of attorney but he couldn't go because you know we were just like sort of a young couple we had the mortgage and you know so he said i'll come after you go and you do a few of the leg work but by the time i got kabir and um, of course there's no internet and i'm calling him all the time he could have flown twice to india by the time because it was so expensive to call in the 90s mm. um by the time he could actually come i was almost ready to come back to canada so I was doing this all by myself and he didn't even see his son till he was 3 months old when I came back to Canada. I had sent pictures, taken a, a camera and taken pictures and sent them by mail. That's how he saw his son. So wow. These were the things that, you know, and I and I was a new mom without a mother-in-law, without a mother. I just took did everything on my own. So it was just all the all those experiences and I feel like kids nowadays I'm calling them kids but cuz my kids are in their 20s so I'm assuming you know but you know kids nowadays they have a lot of um help and and a lot of um things to read up on babies but honestly when you have a baby in your hand a come become like that motherly instincts just take place and you just end up doing what you know you have to do even mm -hmm. for my husband you know when he when he finally held uh, Kabir he was like you know it was like it was so second nature to him just the way he held him and everything yeah, yeah. so then by the time uh, so that's why when when kabir was 3 months old i finally came home we breathed you know hands on dad everything then we went back for kiti and that's where the title love at first sight came in mm -hmm. because we were with um gurpreet's cousin who was um you know from punjab and he's a doctor and introduced us to the doctor from this particular hospital and kiti was 3 days old and when i saw her i was bawling just seeing her and he says oh i've never seen love at first sight until i've seen this moment and i said really and i realized that it was both moments but nobody was there to say that to me the first time that's why i named it it's because of the way he said I've never experienced this so hence the name of the cover and even the the love at first sight a mother's journey to adoption my children didn't want me to put that word adoption of course they wanted me to say a woman's journey to motherhood and I said I have to put that title because it has to say the word adoption so people know what the story is about right. so that's why I had to change it right yeah that's, that's not an easy decision to make to some people it's it's just a word what's the yeah. difference right but i i think that you did the right thing to call it a mother's journey to adoption because you're not just freeing your own voice you're empowering so many other parents to say this is a journey worth taking yes that's exactly right it is yeah and when you were in india uh, for kabir how long was you were there for 3 months yeah Yeah, 3 months. Um so after um he was born, he was in the hospital for about uh 10 days because he had jaundice and he was a he was some um, uh, uh premature. So they had to keep him under the light they call it incubator, but they call it the light. And so I would go in every day and and go and see him, cuddle him, feed him, change him, do all these kind of things. Then when I finally brought him home, that's when I actually started the 
um, actual adoption process because, you know, the hospital can release the child because they know the people around you, you know, it's urban cities and it's in India. So it's, it's not um, so cut and dry there. So um, they let me submit the adoption papers after I brought him home, which was really nice. So mm-hmm. when I started that process, I'm literally carrying my son everywhere I go, going to, you know, this magistrate, going to this, uh, getting this notarized, you know, taking the papers into the Canadian High Commission. And I had my little newborn with me the whole way through. So just navigating myself through um, New Delhi with a newborn, getting up uh, in the middle of the night at least three times to feed him. I was pretty exhausted by the time I came to Canada. Yeah, but it took me three months at the end of the day. And and while I was there, I was like, oh, my God, this is so hard. Am I ever going to get home? And when I look at the bigger picture, it was nothing. (laughs) It was fast. fast. Yeah, it was fast. Wow. Yeah. And what about for Keithy? How long did it take? He is actually almost the same which is surprising because it in and the first time for Kabir it was the it was the Indian uh, Indian side of the adoption process that took time because I really didn't know much about it like I said no internet nothing so you're just literally asking people and going to lawyers and you know figuring it out as you go and with Geeti uh, I knew the process so Andrew Preet was with me at the time so he uh, that's my husband and so he and he has command of the language both Punjabi Hindi perfectly he knows that system because he was born and brought up in New Delhi and he just got the adoption done within three weeks. But then it was the Canadian High Commission who took time because the law had changed. So we had to do some more paperwork. But at the end of the day, when I look back, it's only three months again. And I'm like, OK, this was not bad at all. So that is me and me feeling very lucky. I I can't even tell you like you know, I know of another couple who went back and they had a lot of problems with their second child. They did, like I gave them advice and they, they adopted one and then they did a second and they had a lot of problems getting her back. They were there for six months and I wow. I thank my lucky stars and I just feel like very thankful to God <laughs> to get me where I'm at. Yeah. So yeah. besides your children themselves, right, mm-hmm. what were the biggest rewards about adopting um well you know i did write two chapters uh and one is raising kabir raising keithi because this is the kind of things that people ask how is it how was it different and i'm like it's not different they're my children so i had to put the normality into the book and say look at they just had a normal life so um I don't really know how to answer your question because, you know, once they were in, in like once they were here, there's just no different life than I had, for example, with my sister who had two children. We just lived a regular daily life. So, yeah. And, and um, a lot of the kids in the family, um, immediate family and, and my cousin's kids, for example, didn't ever didn't ever even know that they were adopted they kind of found out when they were adults and they were in disbelief so that kind of thing which is very nice that is really nice so i would say that your answer was motherhood yeah there you go (laughs) better at words than me i can write them down if i think about it (laughs) well honestly i'm just so i'm just thank you yeah 
this is so amazing to know this and most women like i'm in my what mid-30s now right um and i i don't feel the need to have to conform to a lot of the the pressures from society mm-hmm. right? um but there's a lot of women now punjabi women who are who are basically independent women and they choose not to get married mm-hmm. right and to know that there are lots of options available for them to still become mothers yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and you know what um that's one thing that i must say is that to me becoming a mother i did not even uh have any desire to um conceive and and give birth to a child to me that is not that is not a mother a mother is you know raising a child and so that's why i wasn't one of those people that needed to have that pregnancy experience i really wasn't you know i was always ready for adoption and i did um get into that a little bit in the book about the type of house uh, i'm from and, and we're in canada and my father brought a lot of his family members over um you know and our house was like a revolving door there was always somebody staying with us and um so and then my my eldest sister is as, as a matter of fact adopted by my parents and i was 6 she was 10 i don't even remember life without her so maybe these things were instilled in me when i was really young and so that's why the decision was very easy mm. you know um it, nobody was ever a stranger and and all these people that lived in our house when we were younger my sisters and i we were always cooking for people washing dishes doing everything it just came second nature my parents never let us have um uh, you know how there was never anger in the air it was just like okay yeah this person's coming oh okay got to do this like it was just matter of fact daily life that we had with um all of our relatives always coming in and out one would come you know they would get settled they would move out another one would come it was like that for my house <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah. that's what my dad kind of you know sort of that's his sort of social work in his life is just helping these people filling out forms for people even at age 80 people are calling him it's kind of annoying they need to give him a break but he does he does a lot that's what keeps him going right so yeah, yeah. he basically brought punjab to canada yeah he did he brought thousands of people actually yeah and that was just because he had so much experience with his own family and in um you know like let's say the you know 70s 80s 90s he he became very friendly with all the immigration officers of course there's nobody there now everything's done online but in those days you actually had to physically go to an immigration officer they all knew him by his first name and that's why you know they would sort of um let let uh, his people come in so to speak <laughs> wow. yeah. That's pretty neat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So, yeah. when you made your decision to adopt, did you consult the rest of your family? Did you speak to your parents? Um yes, I did. I don't even remember talking to them much about it. I don't. And I and and, and if I did, I think they were yeah, I I mean because my parents like i said the household that we were brought up in and of course my older sister is adopted she's actually my pua's daughter but whatever that doesn't mean anything to me my pua passed away when she was just a baby and my dad vowed to bring her here so you know she's just like my sister and that's the end of that so 
you know, I, I knew about it, but it didn't, it was again, just like my kids, they, they know about it, but doesn't mean anything to them. So, you know, so it didn't really have to, but my mother-in-law was super nice. She was like, um, she, cause she knew that we were having troubles conceiving. And she said in Punjabi, she says, and she says, and I, I did go to get a girl. I did say that in the book too, because in, in those days I had heard that girls are available and we know why, because of the Indian um, mentality and all the issues that go with having girls. So um, this is all touched on in the book. And, and I had my heart set on getting a baby girl. And that's why I took all clothing for baby. I took baby girl like little um, onesies and the diapers were even pink. And, um, and then I had, a, I had, I had this little baby boy and I'm like, Oh, I bet I came for a girl. I almost felt guilty going to see this little baby boy. Oh. But then my aunt straightened me out. She said, you know what, if you're going to get a girl, you can come back and get a girl, but go see this baby. So that's, I'm so glad I did that. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, my mother-in-law, those were the only people that were important to me. My sisters were always a support. It's not that. And um, yeah, there was nobody else that needed to, I didn't need, I didn't need permission, permission. And maybe I'm lucky. I don't know. I just didn't need permission. And when it comes down to it, um, anybody who's listening, it really just comes into your own family unit. Um, really at the end of the day now, I'm in my fifties. And at the end of the day, I feel like it really is your, your husband um, and your children and your parents to a certain extent but it really comes down to that little family unit and what makes you happy so you have to decide for yourselves and how you're going to pursue your life and what you're going to do with your own lives i don't think that um you know too many outside obstacles should change you especially if you know it's right right that's what i think yeah absolutely and that takes strength yeah. courage so yeah tapping into that that within yeah. our hearts huh? yeah. um, did so you've you told me that Kabir and Kirti both of them um for them it didn't really matter that they were adopted but is it something that um affected them growing up like how did they deal with that was it a, an issue or not at all I wish I could say yes but it wasn't <laughs> I don't know and I, I I it really wasn't I mean I even asked Kabir um, he's the quieter one and I ask him that if you ever want to know and I've told him his story many many times to the point where mom I've heard it like and that's the him story when he was born and that's probably why I decided to write it because I told people about it and you know he's like I already heard it don't tell me anymore so and I said you know what if you would ever want to know about your natural mother I don't know um, or birth mother or whatever you want to call it um, mm -hmm. I said I don't know who it was you know, all I knew, what I knew was what I told them, what uh, was an unwed mother. So mm -hmm. I gave them every bit of information I could, but they don't, they never wanted to know. I, they don't want to go and find anybody, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't think it would be really a good idea, especially because the children were born in India. And I think if it's an unwed mother, I did explain this to Keithi one day and she's actually very attached to me as you know right yeah. so um she's like oh no i wouldn't want to do that i wouldn't want i don't need to go find anybody but i did explain to her that if you did 
you know, if we did go and find, um, you might ruin that person's life because that was an unwed mother at the time. She's probably married now. You know, I don't know. I don't know if you would want to ruin somebody else's life and then not even be happy about meeting that person because they not might not be happy about meeting you. So I was trying to explain it in that way. And that was just a couple of years ago. But we do have these open, candid conversations, but not very often. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm glad that they didn't have those problems. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. You no, know, it's it's not a big deal for them because for for some people this this becomes a label that almost defines them, right? Mm -hmm. And to yeah. show the label that just because that may not be your biological mother, it's still your mother if she's raised you and your father if they've raised you. Yeah. That's what's more important. It doesn't, like adoption shouldn't become the label. It was just a pathway for you to meet. Exactly. They were meant to be. Yes. That's like my last line in the book because, I mean, I'll say it, but um, I'm actually happy that I never got pregnant because I wouldn't have them. So that, yeah. <laughs> Both of your kids are beautiful and amazing and intelligent and just really, really amazing human beings. And I just, oh, Raj, yeah. I just want to hug you right now. I just really want to give you a big hug yeah. because you're amazing. And honestly, for, for people like me to know that, you know, it's okay. It's almost like you're giving us permission to say that, you know, take down the boundaries and change yeah. the mindset. There's yeah. more ways to achieve what you want to achieve and make a difference. Yeah. And yeah, absolutely. share that love, you know? Yeah. There's this yeah. huge attachment with that that old school mentality that it has to be your child and yeah. something wrong with you if you can't have a child, you know? Yeah. I'm hoping that, um, especially the listeners, I'm hoping that they don't have that mentality. I hope so too. Because I hope so. I, I've known of... Um, women to have been divorced just because they couldn't have children yeah right? yeah and um, so you know if you can't produce the goods then you know you get ousted so that's very very that's very yeah well let's use the word backwards mentality is backward but i mean it's shameful for the people who do that absolutely Not for, the, woman, for yeah. the people who would do that and if it's a problem, like th the problem can exist on both sides. It's not always a female problem. It can be a male problem too. Of course but, it is. Yeah. We just, we throw the shame at the women. Yeah. And it's like, there must be something yeah. wrong with her. That's why this is happening. Yeah. And I, I felt all that. I felt it all uh, in mm -hmm. uh, during my infertility days. I, I had, uh, I mean, for five years I knew, I mean, seven years after seven years of marriage, Kabir was born but after, like I was trying for five and that's not a long time, but I, I knew what were people were thinking. I didn't, I just, you know, shoved them away out of my mind. I don't let negativity enter my mind at all. And you know what, if you, if you let it, it's just going to sink in and it's just going to make you feel uh, miserable. But why? When you know that, um, you know, whatever it is, just deal with the problem and uh, you know like just like the words never give up come to me but never give up on if it's infertility try whatever you can to the end but don't like um let your body um you know become such a like you ha you have to take care of your body too because ivf didn't work for me i did go through it and it it like i didn't do it a second time because my body couldn't take it
-hmm. So, you know, you don't have to let your, let your whole body go through that either. You know, one thing is your mind, but the other thing is your body. It takes a lot of toll on all these, all these procedures. So, you know, I, I, that's why, you know, adoption is like sort of the, you know, the light at the end of that tunnel of infertility. Mm. I really believe that, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the book as well, because um, the, the book also, because I was in India a lot and I was with, um, you know, sort of in my own thoughts and I was thinking about my parents a lot. And then I actually interviewed my dad a little bit because he he had told us about his um, journey from um, Pakistan to India. He was only eight years old and he got separated and that fascinated me. And every time I was in India, especially with my kids and I'm by myself and, you know, your thoughts just go wandering, thinking, how did he do it and all that? And here I am with two children. I was I, I was just I needed to write that down. And, and, and the reason I wrote all this about India and sort of like and this is a lot of our forefathers like my dad's journey as well there's only one little bit of chapter on it but this all of us can relate to this because all of our parents went through this and I felt myself uh, putting myself in my parents shoes all the time while I was in India so I did write a little bit of it and I think it's kind of fun to read about um, you know where our parents our grandparents came from and you know the, the things that they had to go through and then the immigration process and coming here and things like that so I did touch on all these all these little topics and that's um I, I hope people get a kick out of reading that. And I did, like my editor, uh, she had gotten a colleague who's not Indian reading it. And she, she kind of loved reading all these things because she always had this love for India, which I do too. Not just because my children are born there, but I, I just love that country. Um, and uh, she really liked that whole, because she, she always wanted to adopt and she always wanted to travel. So she, she liked, you know, reading all, all the little anecdotes about, you know, the things that some of my family went through. So I think some people might enjoy reading that. I think we're going to enjoy reading the whole book and I'm excited to read it. Um, the cover is beautiful. Can you tell us why you chose this cover? Well, I mean, it was sort of pieced together. I mean, the flight is the two flights that I took to India to get the babies. And that's the little silhouette of India there. And the sunrise is the sunrise I saw at the top of Mount Fuji when I climbed it when I was 16 years old. And that's the mm -hmm. sort of the symbol of never give up. So I put it together like that. Okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. I, I'm so excited to read the book. And just again, um, I'm asking everybody who's tuning in, who's in this space of Core Voices in our little community, to show your support, show your love. It's an honor to have another female author in our amazing space. And I wanna see more female authors from our community coming forward with books like this. We need to tell our stories. We need to talk about our experiences. That's the only way we build the bridges and we need to show the support. So please, I'm asking everybody, I've already got my copies. I want you to go, go to Amazon, type in love at first sight. The author is Raj Almeja. And you need to order at least two copies, one for yourself and one as a gift. So I must say, I have to say um, a mother's journey to adoption too. I don't think, because love at first sight, there's a few of them. Mm, okay. Just love at first sight, comma, a mother's journey to adoption. Then okay. it'll come up. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. journey to adoption, yes. Yeah. And um, Raj, the time has just flown. I want to talk yeah. to you about so many more things. Um, are there any 
particular messages from the book that you'd like to share with us before we get towards the end of the show? Um, well, I mean, I touched on it a little bit. I do want um, any couples who are uh, having um, issues with infertility or whatever the reason, um, it doesn't even have to be that, but I just feel like um, this book will help them sort of uh, reach a decision of adoption if they've ever thought of it, because um, I, I've gone into a lot of um, the happiness that comes out of it. So I hope that, you know, this book will uh, bring those couples into that uh, space. Also, I just feel like uh, this is a very quick read, a very fast read. It's, it's, it, there's emotional parts, but it's pretty, pretty happy, uh, happy ending <laughs> so to speak so i hope that um you know you pick up the book and and get something out of it and i'd love to hear any feedback if you if you do <laughs> how can people share their feedback uh they can just write a review on amazon and i like i was telling you earlier that i did want to do a proper book launch and you know maybe go do book signings and maybe travel and and, and i had to do it this way so it's sort of uh, that's the only venue right now that you can pick it up on and on, yeah. is on Amazon. So just had to let it out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's really important for us to know that because yeah. COVID is affecting all of us in so many different ways. And yeah. if we were in the regular world, the no COVID world, um, yeah. you would be out doing a book tour and we absolutely. would be there going to get our books signed and, you know, having the book readings and being part of book clubs as well so that we yeah. can the book um so this is the way that the community needs to show up and that's what i'm asking everybody in our core voices community to do is to show up and to support because everything's changed and it means uh, anybody to print and to become an author is difficult and i think in covid it's like several steps more difficult because mm -hmm. we don't have the same access to the world to get the stories out there and the only way we can do it is through digital technology and social media. So I hope that everybody's gonna lean in, write the reviews on Amazon after you've bought the book. The, the details of the title are in the comments. So please go and reach out to Amazon, buy the book and share the book and share your feedback. Raj, you have been absolutely incredible and so brave, so brave. I admire your courage. I know this wasn't easy, to write the book and then to be in different spaces just like this talking about the book but it really really means a lot to all of us there's a lot of love and appreciation in the comments for your bravery as well and i'm sure that when people pick up the book it's going to give them that inspiration um can you give us one last thing just something that you want people to take away from the book uh I want, I want people to feel, um, I mean, basically I want to open and broaden people's horizons, open, open their minds to this whole concept of adoption. I have two adult children um, and um, I'm just like probably most grateful that I have them. So I just um, feel like this book can help. Um, people just change their mindset or 
yeah, I've said it before, but yeah, I want to get rid of the stigma in the Indian community. And I hope this book helps that. Yes, yes. Yeah. I would love for you to be back in our space, you know, whenever you want. This is a space for you, okay. the community, to tell us more about how that journey is evolving, how we can show up and support everything that you're doing. And, you know, even if it's it's setting up book clubs, whatever we need to do, it's yeah. this is our what do I say? It's our responsibility as the community to step up and appreciate good work when it's put out there. So thank you for, for doing that incredibly hard work, for writing the book, for putting it out there, for being here today and sharing your story with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for everybody who tuned in. I really appreciate everybody listening to me. Thank really, you. Really a pleasure. The, the comments are wonderful and everybody is, is very much appreciative and inspired by your strength and your courage. And I hope that everybody who has tuned in today has already adjusted if there were any things to retune in in the mindset that we can have more open hearts and minds to the whole approach of how you become parents and explore adoption, explore it and let it transform your family, just like Raj has shared with us today. So thank you for sharing that, Raj. Thank you for being on Core Voices and thank you for everybody who's tuned in. And yeah, we'll see you again next thank week. You.